I would like to say good morning to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Ewell. The vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. And the superintendent is Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true correct and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. 
we have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given into salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the school are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth 
through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Carl Leatherberry, followed by scripture, which will be 1 Kings, the third chapter, read by Dr. Lauren Lewis. And say good morning to the class. Good morning. Step out of work for the best. Uh, I just turn to really, really give thanks to Yahshua for allowing us to, you know, learn anything about him in this gospel. And, you know, I pray that Yahshua keep the brother, keep us all in peace. Because I know I needed Yahshua in the times that I needed him and he, uh, he definitely there and provided for me. So I pray that the brethren learn and know and understand to keep Yahshua in front of you at all times. Thank you, brother. Praise Yahshua. Hallelujah. 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 I'd like to say good morning to the class. Good morning. And I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible containing the Old and New Testament, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trainer and the Scripture Research Association, reprinted by Yahshua Promotion. That is 1 Kings, the third chapter. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of Yahweh and the wall of Jerusalem round about. <clears throat> Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of Yahweh until those days. And Solomon loved Yahweh, walking in the statues of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. In Gibeon, Yahweh appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And Elohim said, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Yahweh, my Elohim, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out 
or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thyself, great a people? And the speech pleased Yahweh, that Solomon had asked this thing. And Elohim said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thy enemy, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy will. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as the father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of Yahweh and offered up burnt, excuse me, burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Then came there two women there, <clears throat> excuse me, that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, oh, my master, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together there was no, excuse me, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house. Say we too in the house, excuse me. And this woman's child died in the night because she laid over it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. And this said, no, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, nay, but the son is the dead and my son is the living. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought him a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king. For her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, oh, my master, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. 
Then the king answered and said, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard the, of the judgment which the king had judged. And they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of Elohim was in him to do judgment. That was first Kings, the third chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for the scripture and Dr. Leatherberry for the beautiful prayer. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us. We are always happy and glad when Yahweh allows us to come together to preach this most beautiful, beautiful gospel. Before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone to please keep your cameras turned on the off mode and to keep your microphones muted unless you're called on to speak and unless you are reading. Our readers for today will be Dr. Shirley Nelson and Dr. Lauren Lewis. And for our first speaker of the morning, we're happy to call Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Dr. Brazil? Good morning to the class. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm on. If I have any interference, I'll change where I am. Um, I truly appreciated the music this morning and the prayer and the beautiful scripture. We have a little visitor, so pardon if there's some disruption in the background, but I truly enjoyed that. That is one of my favorite scriptures about Solomon. And I just want to make mention of why that is. Um, when Solomon uh, was given the kingdom, as you, as you read there in Kings, he, um, he had that dream. It was a dream. And that, that in and of itself is beautiful because this was on Solomon's heart and it came through his dream as well. What was in his heart manifested in that dream that he asked Yahweh for wisdom. And Yahweh asked him, this is the kingdom and what will I give you? What will you ask of me? You understand, and Solomon asked for wisdom, which is a divine attribute of Yahweh. He didn't ask for riches, he didn't ask for his enemies to be vanquished, he asked for wisdom, and in that was very pleasing to Yahweh. And Yahweh said, I will give you wisdom, but also I'll give you all the things you haven't asked for. But this this, this um, desire in Solomon's heart for the wisdom was because he knew he was but a child. And that connects to um, the theme Yahweh put in the heart and mind of our brethren who um, held the um, seminar in 2020, Matthew the 18th chapter. I want you to get that next. Because that's what Solomon came. See, that's how Solomon came. Uh, Solomon came to Yahweh saying he was a little child and he did not know what to do. 
And because he was a little child, he asked for wisdom. And that's what Yahweh was pleased with, was, was how he came. And that's just what Yahshua the Messiah said in the fulfillment. You know, Yahshua's fulfilling all things. So he's talking about this in Matthew 18. You get that 18 and 1. That's Matthew. Sorry, you said Matthew 18 and 1. At the same time came disciples unto Yahshua, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Yahshua called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is the disciples asking a question about the kingdom of heaven. We just got back from a seminar or symposium with uh, the unity in Yah. And that theme was, what is the kingdom of heaven? I think it was kingdom of heaven. Okay. Um, they may have said kingdom of Yahweh. The kingdom of Yahweh, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of Yahshua are all the same kingdom. It's also, and if you could get the um, ages and dispensations chart for me, that's also the same kingdom you see reflected on the chart. This is not a different kingdom. So here the disciples asked Yahshua, they came to him asking him who will be the greatest in the kingdom. See, and I put it like this, you know, um, man is always jockeying for position. They want to be the higher ups. They want to be in the chief seats. They want to be in the, you understand, I'm talking about natural minded men carnal-minded man, which the disciples had no choice but to be before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So they had come to him many times asking, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Talking about the physical kingdom of Israel. Will you rebuild? They're rebuilding the temple. Remember, they, they took the Messiah over there. That's in Matthew 24 chapter. They took the Messiah over there to look at the buildings of the temple. They're rebuilding the temple. And isn't this a wonderful and great thing from a physical standpoint, see? And so they come to him asking about the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, um, and that's what they want to know, you know. And he gets a little kid. This is how Yahweh's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are our ways, Yahweh's ways. It's just not that way. So, um, Yahshua gets a little child. You wouldn't have thought that. A little child. Because a child is humble. A child knows that he doesn't know. That's what, that's what um, Solomon demonstrated. He did not know. He's not going to pretend like he knows. He's, he don't know. So he comes to the father asking for wisdom that he might be able to judge the kingdom or judge those in the kingdom with the right heart or with the right disposition, wisdom, which is what he demonstrated. 
Yahweh say he give it to him, and that's what you saw Yahweh gave him that wisdom what he did with that woman, the two women with the living and the dead child. See, Solomon was given the wisdom to know what philoprogenitiveness was, what love of an offspring would be. And that's what he demonstrated, proving the love of the offspring. So the mother is going to petition for the salvation of her child. That's how he was able to determine who's the true mother. So going back to what Yasha said, he gives a little kid, puts the little kid in the midst and said, now read that one more time. I have the age of dispensation chart, but read what Yasha Messiah said about the kingdom. Third verse, Matthews 18 and three. Uh-huh. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be, excuse me, except you be converted and become as little children, right. you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, your conversion, you must be converted. Converted from what? See, from the fall of Adam, we had a disposition of a carnal mind. And we had a disposition of condemnation. We had a disposition of ignorance of our father, Yahweh. And through that, we had a, dis a disposition not to obey him or regard him at all. That's the disposition you see in the world. They have no understanding of Yahweh. There is no possibility of serving Yahweh in spirit or in truth when you know nothing about him. So the way that you're going to go about to worship him will automatically be contrary to what he is saying. And this is very hard sometimes for us to grasp that the entire world is wrong in the way that they go about to worship their heavenly father. They can be sincere as they want to, but they are wrong in the way they go about it. So Yahweh Elohim being the just Elohim that he is. He provided a way for us to come to know how to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what you have to be converted to, the truth. You have to be converted to what's the reality with Yahweh, not your imagination and how you feel it should be and what you think and how you deduced it, your conclusion. It has to be as thus saith Yahweh, and that takes a conversion. Because one of the things Yahshua Messiah said, he said over there to his disciples, that he was sent to them the spirit of truth, right? Which the world cannot receive. Now you got a problem. He, want, he wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth, but the world can't receive the spirit of truth. Now that's awesome. That shows you that Yahweh has to deliver to you that spirit that would convert your soul and convert your mind and convert your heart to accept the truth. If we're talking about secular things, things that don't have nothing to do with religion, people don't want to hear the truth. That's why, that's the reason why the spirit of truth is not prevalent in the world. 
And I, I'm saying these things because Yahweh is making me more and more aware of what it is that has happened to us or to me, to any of us who continue to sit here and listen and receive the things that Yahweh has been giving us in this divine vision and revelation. And I'm getting way off from where I'm starting about this kingdom. And it ties in, but we had to be converted, just as Yahshua Messiah is saying. And I want you to get the word converted. See, I, I don't want it to be misunderstood as Yahweh has been making me understand this more and more. There had to be an absolute change in your heart and mind in order for you to even receive the things that Yahweh has delivered to us in this vision. And what we want to sometimes think are the basics. That's how we call it. And, and I, um, I, I kind of take issue with that. In, in this respect is that I've seen and I've heard people talk about the basics as if it was something small. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Something, um, you know, well, I'll just go into the basics, you know, like it's um, something um, other than truly what it is. And when that's said to me, I think that, that um, you know, if you want to uh, condescend the things that Yahweh has said, you know, as if going into something else is more uh, profound, you know, going up in the cloud, that's more profound than the basics. I will have you to know this. There's absolutely nothing, not one thing in this teaching that is not esoteric or profound. I'll say that a different way. Every single thing that you have learned in this teaching from this vision is esoteric and profound. That's right. From the unity of the spirit to the simplicity of the pattern, these things cannot be gleaned by a carnal mind. Now let's just stop right there and go read that. The natural man, that's Paul describing that natural man. I believe it's in, um, I think it's somewhere in Corinthians. But the natural man cannot receive. Let's see if that's what he says. You can find that and get that. We have to understand something about this conversion. You have to convert up there. And um, this is what had this is what has happened to us. When he says over there that you have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, and here they are coming to them, talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom. When you have been translated, this is where he's talking about okay, first Corinthians 2 and 14. Thank you. I thought it was in Corinthians. And pick up the train of thought a little bit. We're going to go back to convert. That's first Corinthians. Corinthians. Uh, let's start at 2 and 11. Okay. For what, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Right. E even so, the things of Elohim knoweth no man but the spirit of Elohim. Now, understand that. He's not just writing some pretty words for you to read in the scripture no man understandeth the things of yahweh read that one more time 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of Yahweh knoweth no man. Knoweth no man. Now listen, Dr. Kelly said that too. That was in um, SoundCloud lecture number 36. He says, and I'm quoting it. He says, now, there is nobody who can explain to you the purpose of Yahweh. He's not here coming on this earth plane. He's just not here. And he described himself. He said, I don't have the capacity to tell you anything about Yahweh. I just don't have it. It's Yahweh himself that must explain it. He says, Yahweh himself in and through whoever he chooses mm -hmm. to speak that must explain his purpose and plan to you. You understand? And what we also want to discount is that it takes Yahweh to give it to you in you. You're not having a revelation of Yahweh in the four corners of a room. Yes, sir. You are having a revelation of Yahweh in you. And that's by his spirit revealing it to you in you. No man knows the things of Yahweh. Go ahead and read with you, where you are, Dr. Nelson. Mm -hmm. Even so, the things of Yahweh knoweth no man, but the spirit of Yahweh. Read on. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of Yahweh. That's the spirit of truth that he told the disciples he was going to send to them. That's what they received. That's what he's, that's what they're saying. Go ahead and read. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of Yahweh, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now we receive, go ahead, read that one more time. I'm sorry. Which things also we speak, not uh -huh. in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, right. but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now, for example, when we just went through with Yahshua asking or answering that question, who's in the kingdom? Well, the wisdom of men would not have picked a child. Right. That's just not where you, that's not where you were. But Yahshua, who is the Holy Spirit, that's who he chose. He yes. chose, and of course, he's talking about this in analogy, in simile, in allegory, except you come as a little child. But one of the things, and one of the more important things he says, except you be converted. I see you still have this definition up. I just want you to finish where you are there, Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Right. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh. Now, this is why not everybody can hear or will hear this teaching. That's right. The natural man, is that word cannot receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh. So it says the natural man receiveth not the things of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Receiveth not the spirit. Is that what it said? Not the things of the spirit of Yahweh. Okay. Mm -hmm. The natural man receiveth not of the things of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Of Yahweh. Read mm -hmm. on. For they are foolishness unto him. Mm -hmm. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It says, neither can he know them. That's right. Neither can, that means he can't. <laughs> he can't know them. 
That's right. Because they are spiritually discerned. Now, this is the thing that Yahweh is impressing upon me. It is not your carnal intellect that has received these things. That's not what has done that. It is the spirit of Yahweh that has impressed them into your soul by his spirit. That's what has received it, not your carnal natural mind. Now that is changing or transforming or converting the natural mind. That's what it says in the Elohim book, converting the natural mind into a spiritual mind, step by step. Isn't that what it said in the Elohim book? He's converting that natural mind into a spiritual mind. You understand? That's what has to happen. So now we set this up pretty much to read what conversion is. What does convert mean? This is from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary online. To convert, to bring over from one belief, view, or party to another. To bring about a religious, religious conversion. To alter the physical or chemical nature or properties of especially in manufacturing. To change from one form or function to another. Um, and that alter for more effective utilization. To appropriate without right. To exchange, exchange for an equivalent. Obsolete. Turn. Conversion. Go back. No, go back up. There was some other definitions there. To undergo conversion. Mm -hmm. Right? It was yeah. also there. To bring um, one. Under, yeah. under, lead, un, under obsolete. Number four. Mm -hmm. To subject to logical conversion. Mm -hmm. To score on, to make or, you know, converting to undergo conversion in transitive verb. Mm -hmm. So you have there where you can highlight conversion and see what conversion means. Mm -hmm. But number two gave the most clear um, definition mm -hmm. to undergo a change from one form to another. Yes. Something converted from one use to another. That's down there, number five. See, you were, you were, as a natural-minded carnal creature, you were going in one direction. And that's just to fulfill your, your fleshly lust in whatever manner you saw fit. You had no concern or a thought towards a creator or serving a creator. But when Yahweh gives you his spirit, go ahead, Dr. Lewis, what do you have? I was going to say, I have a definition out of dictionary.com, and it's a change of attitude, emotion, mm -hmm. viewpoint from one of indifference, disbelief, antagonism to one of acceptance, faith, so on and so forth. Yeah. And see, that's what had to happen to us. We had to be changed. Now, Paul talks about you being made a new creature in Yahshua Messiah. Now you can see that as well in the scriptures. 
when Yahshua brought the children of Israel, and I say Yahshua brought it, Joshua's son of Nun, who was right there doing the work that Moses, who's the figurehead, he's using. You understand? But it's Yahshua that did the work, and that's what he said. And we realize that. Yahshua is the one that brought them up, his son, Israel. And they came up by the name of Yahweh. But Yahshua, the son of Nun, was right there with them. And when he brought them up into the wilderness of Sinai, you understand and see that all that that was in Egypt, worshiping whatever down there in Egypt had to go. It had to die. And when they went down there in Egypt, they were a family. Remember, this is what Yahshua has done, has made you, when you are born again, you become as a little child, but you're born into his family. That's part of your conversion is that you have to be born from above, not from beneath. You come from beneath and inherited that carnal-minded nature. And when you're born from above, you're inheriting the spiritual nature. That's what figuratively happened in the wilderness. When they come up out of Egypt and they're all in the wilderness of Sinai, all those that were in Egypt, except Phineas, Eleazar, and Caleb. And there was a transcript that I was reading where Dr. Kelly explained because you have to have two or three witnesses. That's why those three had to make it. If in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. That's why they had to make it. Because Yahweh is showing that same principle. Phineas, Eleazar, and Caleb were ones born in Egypt that made it all the way to Canaan land. It only three. Yahshua was not born in Egypt. He appeared in Egypt. So all those that were born in the world or Egypt, which is what Egypt prefigures, the world, the natural world, darkness, you can see it down there at the bottom of the chart. They had to die in the wilderness. That symbolizes that new birth, that conversion, that new creature. You understand? And he took that. That is also symbolizing that inner man. Because they were the children of those that had come up out of Egypt. But those children were not like their former parents. They knew nothing of any other God but Yahweh. They followed only Yahweh. That new birth did. You, you go back and you review that and research it yourself. The disposition of that new birth that came up out of Egypt or came up out of Canaan. Now, they were all a family. They were brothers, 12 brothers, the children of Israel. Israel was uh, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Those were his sons. And that progeny were his sons, families, wives, daughters, and sons, and sisters, and brothers. That's all it was, was a family. Because Yahweh says, you must be born from above. You're going to be born into his family. And Paul also, he confirms that. All the family of heaven and earth are called by the same name. And that name is Yahshua. You have to be born again. That's how you come as a little child. Because you're new. You understand? You, you, you've been humble, born again, a new creature. Now, when they were in that wilderness, then they began to be organized. Yahweh put them under banners. The eagle, the lion, the ox, and the man. That's the banner of Elohim. That's what they were organized under around that sanctuary tabernacle, which was the atoning vessel. But they were that tabernacle sanctuary represented Yahshua's physical body. 
That's the atoning vessel for sin. And when they, they were camped around that, that was the center of their attention. That was their daily um, ministration in that tabernacle. You understand? They had constant reminders of sin. And they constantly went to that tabernacle every single day, every single day. That lets you know what mindset. You understand that every day you come to Yahshua. Every single day you ask Yahshua. You understand? That takes a conversion because the man in the world, that's not what he's doing. He out here doing his thing, whatever. If you barely think about Yahshua, I think about that all the time. What distracts me all the time. You understand? That every day you're, you have a consciousness of Yahweh, consciousness of Yahshua, because you've been born again. Now, when that transpires, that's how you can receive those things. Not like that natural man. This is not your carnal intellect. I have the Catholic catechism that goes in and tries to explain the Godhead. It is an 800 page document. That is a representation of the natural man and his carnal intellect. He cannot figure out the mysteries of Yahweh. Neither did you. Yahweh had to give you of his spirit for you to receive even the simple explanation of the father being pure spirit with the power of transmutation. One spirit that transmutates or changes form into the superincorporeal form that can be seen in visions and revelations, that's still Yahweh manifested in form to, to be seen in visions and revelation like the dream Solomon had that we read this morning. And then he manifests the same Yahweh manifests in physical form. Remember, Yahshua is the word made flesh. That's the same one that manifests in physical form. And then the same round trip, he goes back to the father through the incorporalization back into spirit. This is one spirit with the power of transmutation. And in order for you to see any of that, that same spirit we're talking about, that's manifesting Yahweh Elohim must be manifesting in your heart to be able to see that. Mm -hmm. The natural mind cannot receive that. Cannot even understand it. One plus one plus one is one. They don't understand that. That's not natural intellect. To understand the application of the divine pattern of the universe, which is Elohim. That is not gleaned by the natural man and the natural mind. Mm -hmm. That is understood by spirit. So there is no such thing as basic with this teacher. You understand it's all profound. He has delivered to you in simplicity, but it ain't basic. This is esoteric. If you can understand what I'm saying, everything is esoteric. And we should appreciate that Yahweh by his spirit is the only reason why we understand any of it. And That's that right. therefore has translated you into the kingdom, not coming, not soon, not we're going to go to the Asian dispensations chart. Thank you. I don't mean to say it like that, but you know, anyway, this Asian dispensations chart was changed in 1975. A couple things were put on here or, or changed on here. We always talk about that sixth dispensation being in that fifth age was moved from that fifth age into the sixth 
into the fifth age, to the fourth age, into this present age that we're in. It went, let me say that again, because I got that all messed up. The sixth dispensation used to be in the fifth age, in the immortality age. And it was moved. Dr. Kinley told them to move it. You can read this. I think it's in the first, well, in the first national business meeting. That might be the transcript. Where Dr. Kinley, well, I know that there were several people that were there. My mom, my, my dad was there. Not my mom, my dad was there. And Dr. Jerry Kinley was there. I've heard this account since I was a kid from people who were at the meeting. But he wanted them to move that sixth dispensation from the fifth age or the age in immortality and bring it over here to the fourth age, the age where you are still in the mortal body. But the sixth dispensation is called kingdom in immortality. And he brought it from the immortal age to the mortal age. Why? Because you are realizing in this age, the very thing that the Messiah said to the disciples in the previous age, he said to them in John 14, I go away to prepare a place for you right. that where I am there, ye may be also. He said that in the post-Olympian age. Right. Well, where was he? When he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, no man ascended to heaven, except he that come down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So he was in heaven while he was walking around on earth. He was in heaven with that immortal spirit or the Holy spirit, Yahweh Elohim manifesting the physical body right there on earth. Mm -hmm. And he told his disciples, I'm preparing a place that you may be just where I am, which by the way, is just where Adam was. Adam was in a physical body in that garden. Yes, he did have on a physical body that needed physical fruit to eat, to, to fill his physical belly. But his mind is psychologically, he was not conscious or not, uh, let me put it this way. His, his objective was not to satisfy the flesh. He had a physical belly that he had to physically eat, but that was not where he was. He had a woman with him. Yahweh created him, her from his own body. But he did not desire her sexually while they were in the garden. I know a lot of people in this institute think that's so. Mm. They think that while in the garden, they did desire each other sexually. Not understanding, so that's that carnal mind again with his natural intellect and his natural deduction. Right. First of all, Yahweh know what he's talking about and what did he tell you? Mm -hmm. He said they were innocent. That's right. That's right. Like children. That now this is this is the thing. This is why you have to understand how the purpose of Yahweh works. That's now, right. what did Yahshua just say? We just read it in Matthew 18th chapter. Will you read in Matthew 18th chapter? He said, except you become his little children. Well, that's the way they were in the garden. Yes. They were fully grown, but they were as children, they were innocent. Mm -hmm. You don't see no, I have a two-year-old nephew. He ain't looking at no other two-year-old female that's right. like that. You know that. But see, that's the natural intellect, that natural deduction that does that kind of thing. Now you go with what Yahweh said, and that's what it takes his spirit in you to do. 
to pay attention and, and be obedient to what thus saith Yahweh, like you gonna tell him something he don't know. He told you they were innocent in that garden, in soul and in bodies. They did not do that, you understand? It was not until after they disobeyed Yahweh's commandment and inherited that condemned conscience that they started to procreate. Now Yahweh purposed for them to do that. He purposed for them to disobey and he purposed for them to come out that garden to be able to procreate because he told the man, be fruitful and multiply. That was before the transgression. That was always the intent. Yahweh know what he's doing and he know what he's talking about. He's got a purpose. He wants to bring about that savior or that salvation and prove that he is the almighty deliverer like his name says he is. He does these things for his holy name's sake because his name promises that. And so he delivers that. That's one of the things that's an attribute. When we went through this uh, symposium, they talked about the attributes of the king, one who performs his promises. That's what Yahshua does. He, he does it because he promised. Not because you deserve it, but because he promised. You understand? And that's why we worship him. And we desire to be what Yahweh desires us to be. That's right. That mm -hmm. prayer of Solomon is so beautiful to me. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's my favorite. You seek Yahweh. You seek the best gifts in Yahweh. The yes. best gifts are his attributes. You seek the gifts of the spirit. This is the only way we're going to make it. But you have to understand that he's giving you that already. <laughs> it's not going to come. It's there. Mm -hmm. He's done that. That's what translating you into the kingdom means. You have been born again. You have been converted. You have been changed. You have an inheritance in Yahshua Messiah. You seek those things that are above and not the things that are beneath. Yes. And the things that are above are eternal. The things that are beneath are temporal, types and shadows. We don't want types and shadows. We want the reality. Now, one of the other things that they changed on this chart was that they put on there, as you could zoom in on the top of this chart where it has the titles of the ages on it and move over to the fourth and fifth ages when you do that. You see how this says present kingdom age in the fourth age and fifth age is kingdom age, okay? You see that. That chart used to read present age it didn't say present kingdom age. But when he told them to move that sixth dispensation back over into the fourth age, he also told them to put kingdom up there. Present kingdom age. So this present kingdom age in the fourth age and the kingdom age in the fifth age are the same kingdom. It's not a kingdom that's coming. It's a kingdom that's here now. And that kingdom that spiritual kingdom is on earth. That's what the first line says. 
that spiritual kingdom that's in the fifth age is here on earth in you. And you've been translated into it. It's in you and you and it. Like the Messiah said to the disciples, me and you, you and me, us and Yahweh. That's what has happened to you. For you to be able to even see the things that Yahweh is talking about. That's what had to happen to you. That's how some people can see it. Some people can't. Some people are born again. Some people aren't. Some people are translated now. Some people aren't. That does not mean that they won't ever be born again. That's not what that means. Because they're not there to see this teaching yet doesn't mean they won't be there eventually. You understand? What we should take hope in is that you've been called. You understand? Not everybody in the world's been called. You should understand that for you to even come through the doors, Yahweh had to draw you to him like they did to that ark. Now me and my family, when we were coming back from, I don't know where we were, we, we somewhere all the time. <laughs> oh, we were in Florida. We were coming back from Florida. And um, me and my mom and our brother and Kirsty Strayhorn, we went to the ark encounter. It was their first experience. It was my second. But when I went the first time to the Ark Encounter in Williamston, Kentucky, um, they had just built it. I, I went there the year after they had built it. And so it was still the color of natural wood, you know, um, what is that, oak or whatever color. But when I went back this time, and they had, they had not developed anything around it. But when I went back there this time, they had developed the gardens around it. And it was, it was so beautiful the gardens that they made because it, it 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 was reminiscent of what the earth plane must have been like back then you know what I mean with the beautiful gardens and the the you know but the mankind had corrupted himself so much and here you are in the same times that were in the times of Noah this mankind corrupts so much you know they're just corrupt in their minds but at the times of Noah, this is what Yahweh made for salvation. Now, if you have not gone to the Ark Encounter, I, I'm not saying that this is the Mecca you have to go to, but I would encourage you to go see it. Because one of the things that impressed upon me, because they, they colored it dark this time. Mm -hmm. And I remember with Dr. Jackie O'Neill, uh, not Jackie O'Neill, I'm sorry, Jackie Mixon, who passed away um, earlier this year, um, when she um, came to Vanderkamp. And she brought out something that I had never really thought about with the art, about how that art was, uh, it was, it was, uh, Yahweh told them to use pitch, which is a, which is black, you know, tar is black. That's right. They, they, they painted that thing or they, they um, sealed it with pitch, Ooh. make it waterproof. And that pitch is, is black like that, right? And so they, they have the art colored like that now. And so um, they, um, they, they did that when those, we think a little storm, and you, you've seen the storms in Michigan, right? You've been here, you've seen how these storms can turn. And I've seen, I've been in Lowe's one day, I walked in in daylight, <laughs> went to Lowe's, looked outside, it was nighttime. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what happened? No, it was a storm coming through and it turned dark and the street lights all came on because that's how dark it was. And if you're ever in a tornado-like situation, it can turn dark like that. We were in some storm um, recently, not too long ago. And um, the, the whole, I think when we were at the funeral, it started turning dark. 
and a lot of people lost their power. And you see that now. That's not even comparable, really, to what happened in the days of Noah. Yahweh busted up the fountains of the deep and the fountains in the heavens. Right. All at once, so it turned dark. We have a painted on that chart. It was dark. But when it would turn dark like that, this is what Dr. Jackson Mixon brought out. They couldn't see that arc. It disappeared. It was So when it turned dark like that, you couldn't find the way of salvation anymore. And that's what we talked about. When Yahshua is getting ready to take this thing out, you better get in the ark while you can. That's and right. called and drew those animals that no one didn't have to go out there and lasso animals. Those animals were drawn to the ark. You understand? They came by spirit, called them. You understand? And that's why you are here. My mm-hmm. spirit, Yahweh has called you and drawn you to him. No man, Yahshua Messiah said, cometh to me, said my father, draw him. That's ha- what had to happen. I, I just, this is what Yahshua is making clear to me more and more why it is you sit here. Not because mm-hmm. you, Decided you wanted to hear this, and uh, I I just think that might be true. And no, Yahweh draw you here, and He opened your eyes, and He gave you His Spirit to be able to receive what He's saying. That's right. Or you wouldn't have done so. So you have to be of good courage, of good cheer. That if Yahweh called you, like that scripture says that we love, right, Lauren? He says that Yahweh, who began a good work in you, is able to finish it. Yes called you here for salvation not destruction if he wanted you destroyed he would have left you in the world but i want you to take note of what happened with those children of israel they were called out of egypt the purpose of yahweh was that he was going to give them that land but they did not make it for disbelief that's also what yahweh wrote in the story and some will not believe him well they were right there they will not believe him you understand? You have to believe Yahweh. You have to have faith in Yahweh. And whatever changes need to be made in you, he is able to make them. Yes. But you desire those changes be made in you. You don't desire to remain as anyone in this world. You do not want that. That's I right. You get out this conduct crap. You do not want that. That is not your, and that's their fate, you see, to go to jail. But your fate to be separated from Yahweh is hell. You understand? The same thing, mm-hmm. separate, liberation is mm-hmm. J. You understand? I'm dealing with this all the time. And seeing that condemned conscience and seeing that that consciousness that is becomes aware that this is what, now there's some consciousnesses be like, yeah, so what? And there's other consciousness you can see the regret in their eyes. You understand? You just don't want that. Mm-hmm. Don't want that. Yahweh called you for a good purpose. Yeah. You take advantage of it fully while you can. That's right. Called to be grafted into the kingdom. And some are there, some may not be there, but all of you have the hope in Yahshua Messiah to be there just as he planned. That's right. Well, I'm going to finish with this. Solomon was king of Israel when they were a united kingdom. Solomon was a king after Yahweh's own heart, you understand, because he sought Yahweh, like Yahweh said to him. That was in his dream. Now you want to read the other very beautiful is when Solomon built that temple. Go back to the Moses chart and I'll conclude with this. 
and I'm 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 just now getting an inkling of of this that I did not fully understand. I have to go back while I can go back and research this again. Now it ain't hard because in the body, Yahweh has allowed many of us who are members of the body to have done this research and already have, have, have explained it. Dr. Dennis, uh, what's his name, Dennis? Allen, who is the Dean of Orlando, Florida, did a two-part lecture over two different days, a, a, a lecture of the comparison of the tabernacle to the temple. And I did not know or realize this, how different the temple looked to the tabernacle. If you could focus in on Canaan land with the temple and tabernacle sitting next together there. But the temple looked nothing like the tabernacle, folks. I mean, nothing like it. The, the tabernacle was a structure that was laid out on the earth plane, but the temple had, had you needed stairs to go up in the sanctuary. You understand what I'm saying? It was a, a taller structure with that Oracle sanctuary and porch. It was made in the same configuration, that threefold configuration, like the most holy place, holy place in court roundabout, like the ark was the upper deck, middle deck, and lower deck. And like I said, you go to that ark encounter, I'm gonna tell you just one thing. When I saw that ark again, and it was colored, it was amazing to me. This minister in Kentucky tried to make the ark to the dimensions of what it was. The thing is huge. I sent some pictures to some of the brother. It is huge. And what impressed in my heart was the magnificence of the salvation that Yahweh prepared. That ark was incredible to have been built for 120 years for the salvation of Noah and his family and all of those creatures that Yahweh purposed. It was amazing that Yahweh went through all of that, that he caused and allowed all of that to come about for their salvation. That was a natural example of Yahshua the Messiah and his sacrifice. You understand? The magnitude of salvation that Yahweh has prepared for those that love him is amazing. And I gained a greater appreciation of it, seeing that ark again and looking at this temple and listening to what Dr. Allen explained about how this temple was configured. This temple was huge. The altar of sin sacrifice, we like to consider sometimes to be like a little barbecue pit. Oh no. The altar of sin sacrifice in the tabernacle was huge. In the temple was even bigger. They had 10 labors. They had a molten sea. They had courts for the Gentiles, for the women, you understand, that housed people. That's how big the courts were. It was amazing. This temple is figurative of the body of Elohim. And we, as Peter said, are made lively stones in the building of this temple. In this transcript that I was reading with Dr. Kenley, it's called uh, Spirit in You, Christendom Reunited, is on the wiki uh, page. And that is, that, that particular um, um, transcript, he says, Dr. Kelly says, now it's the second Adam and the second Eve, Jerusalem above the mother of us all, this building, this temple, the spiritual temple. And he said, when all those that God foreknew, 
are in there the way they should be, then it will end. Yahweh's building his temple. And you and I are lively stones in the building of this temple. When he's gleaning the fields like you see him doing on these uh, YouTube, Zoom um, lectures all over the world. And he's calling these people out from all over the world, the corners of the world. He's building that temple. When every single one of them, you go back and read the transcript yourself, spirit uh, in you, Christian doom reunited. And he talks about that. Is and when all of them that God foreknew is in that temple the way he you understand, then it's over. And you can see that's what Yahweh is doing now, gleaning the fields, bringing those last few in. You understand? So that temple represents Elohim's body. That temple was built by Solomon in the kingdom, the physical kingdom of Israel. You are in the spiritual kingdom and the spiritual body. Now they made a replica of the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle. They made a replica of the ark, but there will be no physical replica of the temple in this earth line. I don't care what they think they plan it. It's not happening. Yahweh said that every stone will not be left upon another, should not be thrown down because that temple represents his body and is not physical. The kingdom is not physical. The kingdom is spiritual. You're in it and he's in you. I hope you got something out of it and I encourage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you very much, Dr. Brazil. We really enjoyed that. And um, I will be your next speaker. Um, I really did truly enjoy that. I. <laughs> What she is talking about, about what is the kingdom of heaven, I've been thinking about it since before the um, symposium because it was a subject that really, really touched my heart. Um, and it touched my heart because we've been going through so many of our brethren transitioning out of this flesh lately. So Yahweh has had it on my heart to, just like she said, he had it on my heart to Felicia, do you really know and understand what I have brought you into? And I had to step back and just think about that. For two years, he had me thinking about that. That's why I didn't want to go to any events, any conferences, because I really had to think. Do I appreciate what it is Yahweh has shown me and brought me into? Not to present myself as something to the body, not to elevate myself as someone, but to really understand for myself what it is he's given me. So when that subject or when that theme was brought up, my heart just leapt like, wow, okay, Yahweh. Please let me see what is the kingdom of heaven? Who is in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the king of the kingdom of heaven? And what is the language of that kingdom? What Yahweh allowed me to understand was exactly what you just heard. I have already translated you into the kingdom. 
Now, because you are still in this fleshly body, you sometimes think that you're not there, but you are. And let's, let me explain to you how that is. This is the way he's talking to me. So when you think about a kingdom, there are three things, and I just said it, there are three things that make up a kingdom. You have a king, you have subjects in the kingdom, and then you have a law, a covenant, or a language of that kingdom. Only the subjects in that kingdom understand the law, the covenant, or the language of that kingdom. For example, if I were to go over to Japan, which I've done, and I'm walking around in that quote unquote kingdom, they're speaking a language I don't understand. I'm not a subject of that kingdom. That is not my kingdom. So what Yahweh has done for all of us, he's brought us into his kingdom and given us his covenant, his promise, his language, so that we know who our king is. Our king is Yahshua the Messiah. Now, if you didn't accept that, if you don't accept that, you're not a subject of that kingdom, period. If you say, I can call him whatever you want, guess what? You're gonna get kicked out of that kingdom because you're not gonna be in Yahshua's kingdom and call him something other than Yahshua, period. Get me the, um, the parable of the, um, the wedding feast. So that's the first thing you have to understand. Just like the previous speaker said, give me that name chart. When you are introduced to this gospel for the first time and someone walks up to you and says, hey, did you know that the creator's name is Yahweh? Did you know that his divine title is Elohim? That's equivalent to king. Why? Because a king is an almighty provider of those subjects in his kingdom. He provides everything. So Elohim equals the king. And did you know that the Savior's name is Joshua? It wasn't Jesus. And then we turn around and we tell you how that can be. When you are introduced to that, you are actually standing at the door to the kingdom. But guess what? You got to be invited in. So we invite you down here to learn more about this so-called king that we call Yahweh and the Savior, Yahshua. We tell you more about him. We tell you don't believe us because remember, you're coming out of another kingdom. You're coming out of the kingdom of Satan. This kingdom, this world that we live in, this is Satan's kingdom. This is not the kingdom you want to be a part of. Remember, the theme was what is the kingdom of heaven? They could have just said, what is the kingdom? Now, we know the kingdom. You can say that over there in the Middle East. They call that the kingdom. So that's not the kingdom you want to be a part of. We're talking about what is the kingdom of heaven and how you can be in it and how you know you're already in it. So we've sat you down. We introduced you to who our king is. Then we said, hey, come on in here, a lecture from the king. 
And then we start explaining to you the king's purpose. Remember, this is a kingdom. He has a purpose within his kingdom. He has a covenant or an agreement within his kingdom with his subjects. So we've introduced you to what his name is. We've told you that he's one king and not many. There's no shared kingdom. There's no throne, you know, where it has to be, you know, the king and his sister and his, his wife and his whatever. That's not the way this is. This is, and you see it in the world now with the passing of a, king, a, a, a monarchy that we, most of us have only ever known. This is a monarchy. This is Yahshua's kingdom, not this earth, but the kingdom of the gospel of Yahshua. That's what we're talking about. So now here we have a king. We have his, the savior of that kingdom. We have a language in that kingdom. We have subjects. So we start to tell you how Yahweh Elohim Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, these three are one, how Yahweh started in pure spirit, how he came down into an incorporeal shape and form, how he then came in a physical form. Why did he do that? To save the subjects of his kingdom. Get me John 17 chapter. See what Yahshua, what Yahweh did in the form of Yahshua, the Messiah, was came down in a physical body to relieve his subjects from that law that he married them into. Because remember, when you get married, you are not officially divorced or the only way you can be released from that marriage is if one of you died. So that marriage that he had them bound under, he had to come into a physical form fulfill all those things under that law, and then die to release them from that physical marriage. He then took the law and put it in their inward parts, in their hearts and minds. That's a true husband who, just like when you read that, song, that Solomon story that we had read in our scripture, a true parent loves their child and would rather see that child live and be without them than to die. So Yahshua, being our true husband, our true parent, came in and died to release us from that bondage because he didn't want us in bondage. So you have your king coming down in a physical form to save his subjects, which is us. Now, well, how do you know? Like she said, how do people want, am I in the kingdom? I just said a kingdom has a language, a covenant. So if you have come into this gospel and you have been in here any length of time and the length of time doesn't matter, we can show you that in the scriptures. We can show you that in a class. I remember one brethren who was brought in by Dr. Uh, Lakeisha Leatherberry. She was Kehi at the time brought him in, they were in dialysis together. He came to two classes. Yahweh took him out of here. But before he took him out of here, he said, this is the truth. So your time doesn't, your time in the kingdom doesn't matter. What matters is you accept the covenant or the language of that kingdom. And as the previous speaker said, the reason you don't have a love of the truth in the world because this world is Satan's kingdom. His kingdom has a king. 
His kingdom has subjects. His kingdom has a language or a covenant or an agreement. What is his? His language, his covenant, his agreement is to oppose anything that's of Yahshua, period. Anything. No matter what it is, as long as it opposes Yahshua the Messiah, then it's of Satan's kingdom. So that's why you have so much of this not loving the truth in the world because it's Satan's kingdom. And that's what he is, not a lover of the truth. But you being in Yahshua the Messiah, you're, you have this unique perspective where you're in a physical world that is the kingdom of Satan. But spiritually so, you're in the kingdom of heaven of Yahshua the Messiah. So when we come in and we explain these things to you, that all things go by the pattern and nothing takes the pattern, and that Yahweh, when you look at his name, it's Yahweh. It means he's the mother and father of us all. And we tell you a way to make that name pronounceable is to add that A in Adam and that E in E. We tell you that. And then you get that spark. You go, oh, I see that. Well, guess what? It's not just that, because remember the seed, remember the parable of the seed. Some seeds fall and they get it and they, they oh, they, their hearts are taken, but then those weeds come up and choke them out. So you hear that and then you just leave. You know what? It really don't matter. That's not, you know, maybe. Even though you got excited, that spark was ignited. Those weeds came up and choked it out of you. Well, you know, so that means you're at the door of that kingdom. You've been invited, but you turn around and you walk away. But then when, if Yahweh allows you to stay and to endure, you have walked into that tabernacle as the previous speaker talked about. And he allows you to sit down and to listen you're going to have doubts. You're going to buck up against, like I just said, I had to sit back and go, Yahweh, do what? why am I here? Do I really believe this? That's okay. That's of Yahweh. That's that why, like she said, that child, why? Why, why, why? Because I don't know why. Please explain to me, Yahweh, why? That's proper. But then Yahweh shows you why. If you accept that, why with proof and evidence? Because we don't do anything down here without giving you proof, period. That's what the world does. The world says, just believe me because I said it. I don't want you to believe nothing. I say, Felicia's dumber than a box of rocks. It's Yahshua the Messiah that is the teacher and Yahshua the Messiah that has the knowledge, wisdom, and intelligence. So when Yahweh sits you down and you start to really understand, I mean, really, you know, the previous speaker talked about she's starting to really understand. And I know some of you like, oh, now do you, do you understand that before? I mean, I'm, you always go into this. Uh-uh. She knows that she doesn't know. And that's where we all should be. Yahweh, I don't know. As much as you know, you don't know. But that's Yahweh's mercy is to have us endure to sit and want to know more. Yahweh, teach me more. Like she said that her nephew, you could probably teach him something. He won't turn around and go, okay, auntie, I got it. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to know nothing else. I got everything. He doesn't do that. A child doesn't do that. 
a child continually wants to learn. Oh, okay, until you show me this, now show me that. Oh, okay, okay, now what's that? That's how we are with this gospel. I don't care how long we've been in it, we know there's a lot we don't know. So when you start to understand those things and you understand that all things are made by the pattern, you understand that Yahshua is just the physical form of Yahweh. You understand that Yahweh Elohim was brought in. Yahweh Elohim is the firstborn of Yahweh, that he created all things. When you understand that there was no letter J, so it was impossible for his name to be Jesus or Jehovah. When you understand that that divine title Elohim is equivalent to a king because it means almighty provider. When you understand that Yahshua Messiah came in to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to set them up. When you understand that that book was written to speak of him and not some little stories for you to read to make yourself feel good. When you understand that this gospel is not something that you can buy or it's not common in the world, guess what? You're in the kingdom because you understand the language of the kingdom. You understand the covenant of the kingdom. You understand the mission of the king of that kingdom. And just like everything else, it goes by that pattern. You gotta have a king, which would be equivalent to your most holy place. You gotta have subjects, which is equivalent to the holy place. And you gotta have a law or covenant, which is equivalent to the court roundabout. Those three things make up the kingdom of heaven. What three things make up the kingdom of Satan? You got a king, which is Satan himself. Give me that, give me that Aya Asha Aya chart. Because remember, we're talking about two kingdoms. One is a spiritual kingdom and one is this kingdom on earth. That's why once you really understand where you are, you don't hold on to this world. You don't want to be here. You want to go because you know whose kingdom this is. So once again, Satan, he's a king. He's the king of this world. See where it says God of this world, that's equivalent of a king. Who are his subjects? Everybody that's not of Yahweh. <laughs> what did Morpheus say? If you're not one of us, you're one of them. And then what is his language or his covenant or agreement? If you deny Yahweh, I will give you all the riches of this world. That's his covenant or his agreement with those in this kingdom. That's why we don't desire those things of this world anymore. I used to. There, there are still some things I want, but I don't desire them. You understand? A desire is a deep, um, earnest expectation of something. It, oh, I just got to have that. I don't have that desire anymore. Not for anything physical. So then you go over to the to the left. You have this pretty beautiful image in, in white. And it's not white as in the color. It's white as in clearness or brilliance. You have Yahshua with his bride. Who is the king of this kingdom? It's Yahshua the Messiah. Who are his subjects? We are. What's his agreement? I will give you eternal life. That's his kingdom. But he tells you, you got to let the things of this world go. 
whoever loved father and mother child more than me is not of my kingdom, not of my body. You got to love him more than you love anything else. They love their king. We got a physical evidence of that in the world that just happened with this monarchy. This passing of this queen of 70 years. People crying, never met her a day in their life. They crying. Oh, our queen is dead. You know, that's that monarchy that the physical world wants. They want a physical person to worship just like those children of Israel did when everybody, Yahweh brought them out of Egypt. He showed them his miraculous works. He gave them all the things that they needed to survive in the wilderness. He didn't let their shoes wear out. He gave them bread to eat. He gave them water and they still complained. I was reading through Leviticus and it about to make me sick because every single time Yahweh did something for them, they turned around and murmured and complained again. Yahweh opened up the earth and swallowed up, uh, um, I think it was Korah and his, his, his offspring because they murmured and complained, oh, you make yourself, we people of Yahweh too. Moses didn't ask to be in that position. But they murmured and complained. He opened up the earth, swallowed up a bunch of them. Oh, we, okay, Yahweh, don't kill us, don't kill us. Turn right back around and said the same thing. Do you make yourself? Yahweh sent serpents, killed them all. Okay, okay, Yahweh, okay, we're we going to agree with you. Okay, okay. Turn right back around, complain again. Yahweh sent the plague. And I love that. Yahweh sent the plague. Yahweh and Aaron were talking, Aaron and Moses were talking to Yahweh. And Yahweh said, a plague has begun. <laughs> so <Yeah>. pretty. <laughs> he said, a plague has begun. Moses turned around and said, Aaron, get that censor, put some censor in it, and run and stand between the dead and the living. That's where he's at right now on this chart. That's Moses standing between the dead and the living. And when Aaron got there and stood between the dead and the living, that plague stopped. But it said he killed 40,000 of them in that, in that short period of time, 40,000 of them died. It was 40,000 or 14. I know it's a four in there somewhere. 14 or 40,000 of them died just from the moment Yahweh said it to the time Aaron ran and stayed and got between them. What does that represent? That's the intercession. That's Yahweh standing between you and death from a physical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. Yahweh did that. He did it from a physical standpoint to represent the spiritual. So right now, what is he doing? Spiritually so, he's standing between us and death. Well, what do you mean? We just lost some brother and they, they died. They took off the flesh. Yeah, they did. But guess what? They were in the kingdom before they took off the flesh. How do you know they were in the kingdom? Because each one of them accepted this gospel and accepted the fact that Yahshua was their only savior. Even our young brother in that passed away, whose birthday would have been today, 16th birthday, Dr. Dakar Leatherberry. He allowed her to understand that it was Yahshua who was her savior. So understanding that places you in the kingdom. And as he said, you shall not die. You won't. That's why it doesn't scare me. I'm not dying. I'm just moving from one room to the next. Now, do I miss those that have taken off the flesh? Absolutely. I miss their presence. I miss being able to talk with them. I miss being able to hug them. I miss being able to just be with them. 
But what I know for sure is that they have that rest and they are still in the kingdom, just like we are. We just can't see them. But we're here in his kingdom. This kingdom has a beautiful song that it sings. This kingdom has always had light in it. This kingdom always has comfort in it. This kingdom always has an intercessor in it. It's awesome. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom you want to be a part of. Now the world, just like this one on the right, they love this kingdom of Satan. Absolutely love it. The previous speaker talked about how they want to be, they want to put themselves above. They all, and that's what I, I've never understood about man. Why do you always have to be better than somebody? Why do you always have to make yourself seem, you know, that's why you have people, oh, I got this designer, or I got this car because it makes them feel better than somebody. Nice to have those things. Maybe the quality is better, but don't make it, make it like you just, you're better than somebody else. But that's what this world does because this world is ruled by a king who is Satan. This is his kingdom. So of course his kingdom is gonna represent his doctrine, his law, his covenant, which is what? Oppose Yahweh. Exalt yourself. Don't believe the truth. Be a murderer, be a liar. That's the doctrine of his kingdom. That's where he is, that's who he is. So this world has to reflect this kingdom, his kingdom. But remember, that's not who we are. That's not the kingdom we're in. So get John 17 chapter. I had that and I had one more scripture. But get John 17 chapter first, please. So remember, I told you there's three things in a kingdom. There's a king, there are subjects, and there's a law, a covenant or an agreement or a language in the kingdom. So get John 17 chapter. That's John 17 and one. Mm -hmm. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, mm -hmm. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Mm -hmm. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, mm -hmm. that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. I see your bell. Mm -hmm. And this is life eternal. Wait a minute. So this is the king of the kingdom telling his subjects how they can have eternal life. Continue. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Pause. We talked about Adam and Eve not knowing or desiring one another. We desire to know who Yahweh is. That's that intimate relationship is to know. So he's praying. This is the king. Remember the king of the kingdom. Praying that the subjects know, which means have an intimate relationship of who he is. That's awesome. But guess what? That's what a king does, a true king. He wants the well-being of his subjects. He will put his life on the line for his subjects. 
This is Yahshua. This is what Yahshua did for us. He put his life on the line. He died for us, his subjects. And the only thing he's ever asked is that we know him or have an intimate relationship with him. Hey, have an intimate relationship with somebody if you don't know their name. You gotta know who you're in that relationship with. You can have a one night stand, call them whatever you want, but that ain't an intimate relationship. So when you're in this relationship and you know that your king's name is Yahweh, his divine title of that king is Elohim. Why is that his, that's why his, his title, why is that? Because he is the almighty provider. This is the provider of the kingdom. That's how you know. So let me get, I'm going to get this scripture and I'll be down. Give me that uh, parable of the wedding feast. Because remember this, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom and a king. Go ahead and read. That's Matthew 22 and 1. Mm -hmm. And Yahshua answered and spake unto them again by parables and said. So once again, this is the king, Yahshua. Yahshua is the king, giving them a parable. Go ahead. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, mm -hmm. which made a marriage for his son. Mm -hmm. And sent forth his servant to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Mm -hmm. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Come to the kingdom. I just told you my name. I just told you my true name. I just told you my covenant agreement. Come on, let's go. Come on. Go ahead and read. Continue. But they made light of it and went their ways. Uh, it don't make no difference what you call him. Mm. Let me scoot on back over here to the dark side. Go ahead. Another to his merchandise. Mm -hmm. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wrong. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So that's the king making intercession for you, his subjects. That's what he's doing. Go ahead. Then saith he to his servant, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. The kingdom so is ready. Go ahead. Go ye therefore into the highway, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. Okay, you Jews, you natural born Jews, since you don't, since you don't appreciate the kingdom, I'm gonna go out here and get some of these Gentiles. Go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, eighth verse. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Eh, I'm good. I stay over here. Go ahead. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. Mm -hmm. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, mm -hmm. both bad and good. And mm -hmm. the wedding was furnished with guests. Mm, so the wedding or the kingdom now has subjects. Go ahead. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. So you got somebody at the wedding or in the kingdom, and they're not in the proper attire. What is that pointing to? 
you don't have the proper respect for the king. Go ahead. And he saith unto him, friend, how mm -hmm. comest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? Mm -hmm. And he was speechless. Mm -hmm. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and mm -hmm. cast him into utter darkness. That you don't want to go there. Go ahead. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Dr. Many. Go ahead. Finish that. Go ahead. For many are called, but few are chosen. How pretty is that to end? Mm -hmm. So believe me, and you don't know. Let me start. Let me rephrase that. Trust in Yahweh. That's right. He said what he meant. He meant what he said. He has given you, already given you the kingdom. Do you believe it? I didn't used to. I do now. And I'm not afraid to admit that because that may help someone else. It's okay that you don't understand yet. You just keep asking Yahweh to give you that understanding. Because once he does, you no longer desire the things of this world. You don't desire you're no longer afraid of death because you know all you're doing is moving from one room to the next in the kingdom. That's right. You are going from Satan's earthly, demonic, hateful, murderous, sinful kingdom into Yahshua's beautiful, glorious, peaceful, calm kingdom. And that's our desire. That's always our hope and desire. You got anything, and I do mean anything, out of that, guess what? You're in the kingdom. <laughs> and with that, I'll say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our, our uh, next speaker, we are happy to call Dr. Dorian Lewis. Dr. Lewis? Good afternoon, class. And I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that Yasha's giving me another opportunity to learn of him. I've enjoyed uh, previous speakers. Can I get um, Romans 10, the 10th chapter started one? I'm going to switch devices while you're reading it. That's Romans 10 and 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Yahweh for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Yahweh. For the Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Mm -hmm. say, say not in, your, in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring the Messiah down from above. Okay, hold on, I'm gonna stop right there just for a second. Can I get the um, cardinal ordinance to start? All these things have been bouncing around in my head and previous speakers with touching on the kingdom or really going into the kingdom and and also using this ages and dispensations chart and i was listening been listening to this doc these lectures um they are dropbox 21 and 22 i don't know what they are on soundcloud but uh anyway dr kim is talking about this and some of the things he's going into i just marvel at how listening to these lectures dr kenley 
goes into the fundamental principles of this doctrine. Then this doctrine is what Yahweh revealed to him in the vision of revelation. He didn't come up with his own, on his own. And so he talked about how the world does not understand Yahshua's mission and what he came in to do. You understand? And we was talking, they were talking about the kingdom. Yahshua himself said, my kingdom is not of this world, but yet the world is waiting for him to come back and set up a physical kingdom on earth. You understand? And so I wanted to get this. this I didn't even, wasn't going to read it all, but it's a really good scripture. Can you start over at one and I'm going to stop you after every verse? Romans 10 and 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Yahweh for Israel is that they might be saved. So Paul's talking to Paul's an Israelite, he's talking to Israel. But these things can apply to us too. So just read this next verse. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of Yahweh, but not according to knowledge. There are people in the church world, Jehovah Witnesses, Muslims, Buddhists, they have a zeal. But it's not according to not. Let me say this too. Some people in class, we can have a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. Yahweh had to give a man a vision. That's how he always worked. And we can't just come and make up our own stuff about it. You understand? You have to take it the way Yahweh gives it. How do we know that Dr. Kimley had a vision? Because he's able to. Now, he said if he come in saying anything different than Moses and John, then he's just another uh, liar. You understand? Okay. So it's got to be verified in this Bible. That's you understand? And it's verified, as he explained, that Yahweh showed him in his vision. It's verified through uh, a, the pattern. A pattern. Yahweh has a definite purpose, pattern, and plan. It is continually operating. Now, there's one lecture. Dr. Kinley said, and, I, and I'm trying to stop saying that. I'm asking Yahweh to make me Write these things down so I can point to where he said it. Just saying Dr. Kinley said it don't really mean a whole lot. You understand? But I want to show you where he said these things. He talked about Yahweh's purpose being carried out through us. And we can be unaware of it. That's before we begin to learn about Yahweh. We just go about our lives. Not think about nothing. Yahweh's purpose, and he might be using you to carry out part of his purpose. You understand? And you ain't got a clue about it. You see and if you come and Yahweh start revealing stuff to you, you look back on your life, Yahweh starts showing you, that was me, see how I moved you in this direction, see, I'm telling you, Yahweh been doing this the whole time, we just not catching on to it. But anyway, he also said that as far as Yahweh's concerned, this is a bad paraphrase, and I forgot which lecture it's in, but he said, as far as Yahweh's concerned, his purpose is all concluded, it's done, it's over, it is ended, but he said, but you are the ones that got to live it out. So we still in the mix. We still in the middle of it. You understand? But Yahweh's purpose is done. So Dr. Kinley comes in and uh, saying he had a vision of revelation from Yahweh. He proves it by the Bible, by what Moses said, the prophets, John and Alapamos. You see, he proves it that way. He draws up these charts to show us. And in these lectures that we these recently discovered through the fire lectures, he's pointing out these principles that these key tenets that the world has absolutely wrong. So, uh, Go ahead to the next verse. And then somebody else get Jeremiah 31, 31. I know I got to move, so. Third verse. For they being ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Yahweh. That's what it is. Do you, read that again, please. Now, everybody For, pay attention to what he's saying. 
Because, because I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Michelle. Okay. Because this can happen to each of us. Yahweh and show me in my own heart and mind. You do that. You see, this can happen to us. We come up with our own things. Okay. Understand? We want to just rationalize something about Yahweh's purpose. He gave Dr. Kenley a vision. Had him write books, set up these classes, make these charts. There's no reason to just make up your own stuff. It's all right here. You understand? So go ahead. They being ignorant of Yahweh's purpose. For they being ignorant of Yahweh's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. We will all do. If we ain't careful. Go ahead. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Yahweh. That's why, because we don't want to submit ourselves to the righteousness of Yahweh. Go ahead. For the Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to right. everyone that believeth. Now, that's what we got this chart up for. He said the Messiah is the end mm -hmm. of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So Dr. Kelly drew up this chart. We call it the Cardinal Ordinances chart. And you see, you guys, basically in three sections, you have on the left side, the Old Testament is fulfilled. In the center, you have Yahshua the Messiah on the cross. Everybody recognizes that again. That's Jesus on the cross. And on the right side, you have New Testament is written in the heart and the mind. So this is often what we're referring to this chart when you hear us talk about this side of the cross or that side of the cross. We're talking about this chart. We read English, we read from left to right. So from the left, that's older stuff. We go all the way over here. Look, it's like a timeline. Yahshua comes in, something's changed. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to get this out that what can we put on these charts? <laughs> you know, and the world doesn't understand this. Paul's saying, look, most, um, the Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth on him. But yet they still tell you you got to do the Ten Commandment law. You got to do all this stuff. It, it, and even uh, I've heard some. Uh, preachers or people in the religious world who said, well, you, God doesn't require you to do the law, but you do it out of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. you want to show him that you're, you're trying to be right or some, I don't know, some <laughs> stuff. You understand? No, Yahweh got a definite purpose. And I just, I have to keep saying this. He's not waiting up in the sky on the cloud somewhere for us to get our act together. That's right. Just not. You don't have your way and your choice with Yahweh. We don't. Mm -hmm. You see, his purpose is moving as Felicia just said, uh, what she mentioned to us, she talked about, um, well, that's what I got out of it, because this is what Yahweh's been showing me, like, Yahweh's purpose, move, purpose is moving whether we like it or not. When he, the, the day, of, the night of the Passover, when he told them it's time to go, it was time to go, not wait a minute, I, I just got to grab this stuff out of my house, I ain't ready today, I'm tired, I've been working all day, it's time to go now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Him on the rooftop, don't go back down to the house. It ain't time for that. That's right. Yahweh yeah. says it's time to go, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. So when Yahweh's purpose is moving, it's going to move. The Old Testament, when, which in which was contained the Mosaic law, commonly called the Ten Commandment law, was a law, a physical law that had physical actions, physical ordinances, they, ordinances that they had to do, had to. It ain't like now. I got a whole lot of black Muslim friends, you know. Some of them eat pork, some of them don't. Some of them just, you know, I know I ain't supposed to. And some of them real strict with it. So they can choose. Yeah. No, this was the law. So we just talked about the king and the kingdom. This was it. That was the king. They that was that the, 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 the law that they were given, they had to abide by that. All those ordinances. 
that govern every aspect of their life. But they were pointing up something, and that's what Dr. Kinley showed. He made this point. That's what he was talking about in the twenty in this uh, Dropbox twenty one or twenty and twenty one. How Yahshua came in to fulfill. That's right. He fulfilled that old law. All of that was pointing to something that he was going to do. You know, the steps of a righteous man are order, or the steps of a good man are order. Mm-hmm. So he's he came in fulfilling every. What does that mean, though? We didn't heard that a long time. Yahshua fulfilled the law. What does that mean? He met the requirements of that law. Paul says that uh, we were condemned by it. Dr. Kenley said that nobody could keep it. No physical man could keep that law to Yahweh's satisfaction. You understand? So Yahweh came in himself and met the requirements of that law. You understand? We all tried and we all failed. It's even um, even those of us who wasn't religious, you understand? We still abide in it. Paul talks about that. Even those without the law, they still by nature do things in the law because we think that makes us a good person. You understand? So Yahweh had to bring, had to come in in a physical body as Yahshua the Messiah because he's moving his purpose along. He's moving along whether we wanted to or not. He's moving. It was never intended for us to stay under that Ten Commandment law. Never intended. Mm-hmm. Yahweh didn't have to make nothing up. He didn't put Adam and Eve in the garden and they messed up. He like, dang it. Adam, I told you. I, well, I could have made you another woman. Why you should she crazy? <laughs> why, why you now I got to make up something to save you? You understand? And all through the course of time, we read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way down. They just constantly messing up. And then he finally said, okay, I'm going to send my son in. Yahweh's not thinking this up on the fly. It was all planned from the beginning before anything was created. Yeah. You understand? So anyway, he, he, he plans to come in. He gives them this law that they can't keep. Why? To show them that they need a savior. To show them that they need to understand something about Yahweh. See? So then he comes in, born into born through the loins of the Virgin Mary, to fulfill this law. He was the only one that could pay the price, that could satisfy the requirements of it. Yes. So it's like this. We're in the United States of America. You can't go and play pay with a Russian ruble at the gas station. It's not the right currency. All of our sacrifices and all of our stuff is not the it don't meet the requirements. It can't pay right. what was required of the, in the law. But Yahshua's blood, Yahshua was fulfilling that law, paid the requirements. That's the legal tender. For what, what Yahweh was looking for, not our stuff. All right, five minutes. I ain't gonna get nowhere, but I'm just uh, so f- go down. Uh, let me go back to the scripture because this is what I want to get. But so anyway, Yahweh, I'm sorry. So Yahshua, de- his death, burial, and resurrection, and outpouring his Holy Spirit, usher us into a new age. We went through that uh, the other day into a new state of mind. Yeah, uh, the New Testament is written in the heart and in the mind. Get Jeremiah 31, 31 real quick, and then we're gonna come back to this Romans 10 chapter. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Behold the days come, saith Yahweh. Way back in Jeremiah, the Old Testament, Yahweh saying this. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Right. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. What covenant did he make with their fathers? The old covenant or the, that which contained the Ten Commandments. We always want to talk about ten. There's way more. Mm-hmm. 
it was a way of life for them. He's talking about that one. It won't, this new one won't be according to that one. And that's what Dr. Kennedy said in one of those lectures. He said, what kind of sense do it make for him to uh, give them this old law, know they can't, can't keep it, then come in and set up a Christian example for them to follow with the same old law? <laughs> it, was the same thing. it don't make no sense. You understand? Right. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. To bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Mm. Although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. Mm. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their heart. So that's it. Run real quick. Go back to the, uh, Romans. But that's so that's written right down that chart. He mm. said he's going to write this law in their inward parts. You understand? Because before I was on the outside of it, and that's a fact. We can look, they used to carry what's called phylacteries. They were like bracelets and, and headbands that had little bits of scripture so they can remember every, little bits of the law, so they can remember everything that was in the law. It was that much. Mm. You understand? It's like you walking around with a rule book on, on, on what to do when you're out in the world. You understand? Don't right. know what that's what they had to do to, to remember it all. You can't remember it all. So anyway, um, so Yahshua's death and resurrection ushered in that new covenant that Jeremiah 31, 31 is talking about, that he's going to write it in our hearts and mind. It will be a part of us. It will be who we are. The Holy Spirit in us will govern us because we can't live to Yahweh's standards on our own. So it has to be the Holy Spirit in us. I know I didn't do that justice. Finish up this last scripture and I'll be down. That's Romans 10 and 5. Continue. Uh, hold on. I want you to drop down. Let me see. Okay. Yeah, just go ahead and read, if you can read quickly. Start at five. That's Fifth verse. For Moses described the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Mm-hmm. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, mm-hmm. that is, to bring the Messiah down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up the Messiah again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. That is what Dr. Kinley came in preaching. Mm. The Yahshua, the Holy Spirit is in you. Mm. They got no preacher, no dean, no none. It's in you. That's the whole point of all of this, for us to come to that permanent conscious realization. The Yahweh is always with you, always in you. Finish up. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and mm. in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Yahshua the Messiah, and shall believe in thy heart that Yahweh have raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Drop 13 real quick. I know, I know, I got less than a minute. 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of Yahweh, oh, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Right. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Right. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So Yahweh had to send a man a vision. He had he gave him proof and evidence to prove that he did have a vision from Yahweh. It's for us to investigate it ourselves. And it's for us to preach it. Testimonies is fine. Encouragement is fine. Admonishment is fine. We need to preach from these charts. We need to yes. preach what Dr. Kinley taught. Going to these Proving why the world is wrong. Go into these things. We need to do that more often. All praises to Yashem Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Thank you very much, Dr. Lewis. And thank you to all our speakers today and all our visitors and our readers. And before we conclude, we want to acknowledge our returning visitor, Vanessa Goodrum. We do hope and pray that Yahweh pricks your heart and mind to come back and study again with us. We do hope we will have um, a choir after the lecture. And then after that, um, if any brother wants to say, wants to stay, <laughs> and um, talk, we can do that as well. Um, we hold our classes here every Tuesday and Thursday on Zoom from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and on Sundays from 11.30 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we're on Zoom. And we will announce our next in-person class later in the week. And now let us stand in our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer and reverence unto our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, our King, now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.